0: Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Talking Toro podcast. Uh, Thank you firstly to everybody who has managed to make it this far after listening to to the first one and listened to my monotone Midlands accent and has decided to download a second episode. Congratulations to you. Uh, I'm once again here with uh, Peter Bourne uh, and we will start off by talking about Torino's I'm going to say uneventful nil-nil draw on Sunday against Bologna. Uh, Peter, what are your thoughts on the game?
1: Six points to safety. <laughs> <laughs> Six points to 40. Yeah. I mean, I watched the game. Um, I recorded the game, so I didn't watch it live. I watched it quite late last night. And, um, yeah, it was one of those. I think it became apparent probably by midway through the second half. I didn't... I, didn't particularly think Bologna were going to score. And when I saw that, I think, I mean, one of the things that struck me about yesterday's game was there was a decent crowd there. It was one of the first games I've seen for a while where there was a good crowd. There seemed to be a good good thorough uh, following in the away end. But every time it panned to crowd shots, everyone looked really miserable, really cold and really bored. And I'm not sure if our coach uh, suffered the same fate because once again, he, he didn't really make any substitutions and I felt, yeah, I mean, I felt Bologna finished with a defence with, um, with, what, Dykes, um, Mbai, and, 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 and an English player, I confess, I barely knew anything about called Binks. The only, and, um,
0: I, the only thing I thought about him, and it might seem harsh, is I think he's got a worse hairline and haircut than me. He's His stylist, he just had a, like a sort of comb over, over the top, it looked like he was a player from the 1960s. And I just thought, what a strange thing. Maybe he just didn't know that, didn't know what to ask for in the Barbers. Um, but I just remember thinking, what a terrible hacker. And that's the, that's the first thing I've seen of him play. I think the only thing he did in the game was kick Bilotti in the face. Well,
1: yeah. he he took the role from... Because I thought Gary Medel. I, I mean, I thought Belotti was poor yesterday. It's one of the worst games I've seen him have. Um, for a long time, his touch was just off. He was slow. Uh, he couldn't find a pass um and i thought Medell had him in his pocket medel, i think Medell just went up against him i think Mihailovic obviously knows Bilotti quite well and and uh, medel just snapped at him all game um and i think he just irritated Bilotti. and i th- i don't think Bilotti... um I don't think Belotti handled himself particularly well. And I just, I, I felt in that second half, just try something different, you know, get Sanabria up there with him just to have a, a, another, another body for their defence to worry about. Um, but all he did is wait, waited for belotti to get so worn down and then bring Sanabria on for the last five minutes, but, but nothing else. I mean, I don't know what you thought. I just thought, it would, I thought that game was there for the taking yesterday. And it's just, we just didn't have the legs, the energy, the, 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 the kind of, class really to break them down
0: yeah definitely think if there's one team who was going to win it it was definitely Toro. I don't think I think Bologna were happy from with the point from sort of 50 60 minutes onwards I thought but I thought but I agree with Bellotti it definitely wasn't his best game I think he's probably the biggest criticism I had and it was definitely one chance in the first half where he could have squared it to Singo and he just took a ridiculous shot from sort of 25 yards I'm not sure Bellotti scored outside the area for Torino um, if he might I think he might have scored one actually in, in one of the first games of the season against Atalanta which took a massive deflection and I think ever since then he seemed to have this sort of, he, he started taking free kicks and he started to sort of try these long range shots which are just su- such low percentage I thought Singo actually ben- looked like he benefited from the, the rest against Cagliari and looked like one of our biggest threats. I thought his effort which uh, Skripski made a good save from showed Unbelievable technique on his left foot to sort of not only hit the volley with the contact that he got, but sort of keep it down and make the keeper make a save. I thought it was a really good effort, um, and I think from the resulting cor- corner scripts, he made a good save from Gigi, um, and then the best chance of the of the game was probably um, brekalos just at the start of the second half, which it's the post. Um, so, it, like there were definitely enough enough in there to to think that Torino deserved the win. I think if we. Scraped to one nil. It wouldn't have been a robbery by any means. Um, a couple of sort of positive things. I thought Ricci and Mandragora um, in the middle of the park looked good. Um, and I've I wrote I, I right down here Berisha, um, but I think you or I could have probably been in goal for that game, and we would have known the same about whether Berisha's a better uh, option for a goalkeeper than Milinkovic-Savic because I don't think he made. I think he made one save probably in the sort of 75th, 80th minute, which which was a simple effort. Uh, but having watched Torino for as many years as I have, I did have visions of this just going straight through his legs and leading to Bologna 1-0 victory. But yeah, it was disappointing, like you say. I think the game was there for the taking and, and we just haven't got that hunger that we maybe showed in games earlier on in the season. Uh, Sassuolo away, similar game, dominated. And in the last 10 minutes, we are able to get that winner. Um, but, yeah, it looked like we were sort of happy to settle for the point. And, and yeah, like you say, Juric waiting until the 85th minute to make one change when I mean, he's been sort of singing the praises of, of Sec in the, in the press conference saying that he's sort of almost ready to start. I thought that would have been a perfect game to, to sort of give him 15, 20 minutes and, and see what he could do.
1: Yeah, I think a little bit scared to win the game after the run we're on. I think you're being quite generous to Bologna. I thought they threw in the towel after about four minutes. Um, this very strange tactic of obviously their tactic was um, for Medell to, to they would draw they were draw Torino in. we were playing these um, short goal kicks, but they just didn't have the technical players to do it. And I thought that they were very fortunate that in one of our presses we didn't um, we didn't close them down. But they tried to draw us in and then hit long to to, to Musabaro, but I mean, he had all of the the kind of um, mobility of a wheelbarrow yesterday. So I thought he was useless as well. They did
0: have, um, they did have the, uh, the commentator gave to stat that he hadn't scored in sort of nine, ten games. And it's like, well, we know, what's, we know yeah, how this it
1: is going to end he, he, he was due one. But yeah, Berisha, thought... I mean, the problem with Milinkovic-Savic is when he faces a shot. So um, for, with Berisha, yeah, he didn't face a shot, but I thought he was very proactive. And I thought there was one point in the second half where he came rushing off his line and dealt with the situation quite well. Um, so I thought he's definitely w- probably worth a, uh, another chance next week. Um, but I just thought Bologna, Bologna were, were were really poor. Um, and I think, yeah, it's, it's, it, 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 it's a match we walk away from with some regrets. Um, I don't know if you saw the incident. There's been quite a lot in the, in yeah. the papers today the about kind of- the the handball, yeah, it was quite strange, wasn't it? Because the TV director, he did he showed a replay. He showed but, a replay about two minutes, two minutes after it. So yeah, yeah, I just don't know if it's one of those things that, that no one it. caught, no one caught at the time It was just so weird, wasn't it? That like
0: it would have, it would have been the weirdest penalty award ever. But I just don't think you could give it because how can you prove that he's that he's taken it? He could just say, "Oh no, I was passing it to Madel to take the goal kick." um it's just one of those which I just don't think a referee is going to be brave enough to give because it it I've well I've been watching football for sort of twenty twenty six twenty seven 26 27 years I've never seen a penalty given for a handball like that so it would have been it would have been um, quite unique but I suppose it might take something like that for Torino to get a penalty in the league this season because I think it's uh, May 2021, since our last one. Do you
1: remember who took the last one? I don't. This is not a test, by the way. I
0: I would guess it was Mandragora.
1: Mandragora. I remember Mandragora took one. He missed one against Cremonese in the cup. He
0: scored one against Samp in the cup. But I would imagine that it was probably... Because it would have been, I think, the... Or was it Bellotti against Spezia? I think. In, that, in that match, we got crushed, in.: Yeah, yeah the, game, the game we're not allowed to yeah, talk about. Yeah. That, that, well, yeah. this might move on to a different podcast, but that might have been my lowest moment as a 3 Torino fan, that game.
1: Uh, I, I know what you really want to talk about from the Bologna match, Mihailović's hat, isn't
0: it? Uh, well, I, I, was, I was very very impressed with my little quip about Aaron Hickey getting him in the secret centre. Um, I quite liked it, actually. But like you say, it was probably very expensive and it, it didn't, suit, didn't suit him. No,
1: I don't know if you've read. Uh, he brought out um, an auto, autobiography about two years ago, which is a decent it's a decent read because it's very poignant about his recovery from leukemia. And then um, he jumps between that being in hospital and then telling the story of his career. And he's obviously had a very colorful career checkered career. He's, 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 he's an interesting character, that's for sure. But he's I think he, would, he admits himself is quite vain. Yeah. He likes his clothes, and there's a line in the book where he says he's got quite small feet, and um, he wears shoes which are like two or three sizes too big because he he doesn't he doesn't want the ends of his trousers <laughs> hanging over his shoes. So um, yeah, so the hat is uh, yeah, I, I guess the, the hat's the least of his crimes, I think. But um... it
0: was, um, the fact that that brought my my attention the first ash sort of tells you what sort of game. We were watching, but um...
1: yeah, the commentator at half you know, was he was very enthusiastic. The commentator he was, he was saying, "What a, what an outstanding, sight exciting first half!" and uh, and then it just, yeah, you panted these fans who were kind of bored out of their mind. Um, but yeah, I think even 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 the commentator by about the seventeenth minute, just yeah, he, he he just he just had to admit it was um, not a great game. Um, and it was probably, yeah, it's the last game. I know while well, we've got Genoa in, uh, we've got Inter, haven't we? Which we'll talk about a bit later. And then Genoa away bef- before the international break. So yeah, I think, yeah, the, the, the fixtures are going to turn soon into, um, into, in a, stra- into a, in a
0: difficult period. In a strange way, I think actually what the season's probably shown us is that some of our performances have been better against the the so-called bigger sides and I think, again, we'll we'll talk about it a little bit later on, but I thought our performance against Inter at the San Siro was, again, one of our better performances of the season, despite not being able to create a chance and not being able to score any goals. But I think maybe that is what this Torino side needs. It's a little bit of a challenge. It's a little bit of be the underdogs. With a few games we've had recently, we're sort of expected to win again in the derby. Again, a very good performance and we're probably the better side and deserve to win if if one of the teams was going to win. What, um, what did
1: you What did you think of Richie's performance?
0: I thought I thought he was I thought he was neat nice, neat and tidy. Probably had that yellow card coming for a couple of um, challenges beforehand for it, and then was a little bit left with that one um, neat tidy. I think I think you, said something in the um, in the post game uh, interview that he's sort of not as physical as Lukic. You can sort of see that probably technically just as good, but just not got that physicality where where Lukic is able to sort of break through a challenge or sort of if he can sort of take the ball under the man and and not give away free kicks, I think Richie is probably going to be caught in that sort of aspect of the physicality if it's going to be either him or Lukic playing. Um, but no, I thought it was a positive debut. It's, it's obviously, with, with Juric's style of football, as he said in the past, it's, it can take a little bit of while to sort of get used to. But it definitely wasn't... a. It was one where you sort of, you sort of think, yeah, there's, there's definitely a player in there and and can definitely improve in the future. How about yourself?
1: Yeah, no, I thought he, I thought for the first twenty minutes, thought, oh, hang on, this guy looks a bit, he's, he's reminding me a bit too much of Lukic, and I, and I, 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 was like, uh, would they be would they be that compatible? Uh, but as the game went on, I think he's a the sort of player we've not had for a while. He he keeps the ball very well. Um, I was aware when we signed. Him that there was, he's. I mean, his stats said he was very good at kind of short range passing and keeping the ball and 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 keeping you know keeping play ticked over rather than someone who was, who was, who was launching um long passes. So yeah, I can't I can't think of it kind of maybe maybe Bepe Vivas a little bit, but um and I thought yeah I thought in terms of physicality, I actually thought he he kind of handled himself quite well. He shielded the ball. There's a few times where he looked like he was going to lose possession and didn't um I think it was a steady debut I think he was you know if if the front three had had been a bit more vibrant um it would have been quite a different performance and yeah, you mentioned before the best chance was was brecolo's chance and I think my issue with brecolo is he just he lacks the pace yeah. and i don't think he back i don't think he backed himself in that situation to to take the ball forward and 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 um you know, and try and stay stay ahead of the chasing defender. He did hit it very early. It was it was not not necessarily an easy finish either. Um, but yeah, after that chance, I can't remember. I, mean, yeah, was, I, I think can't, was I
0: can't remember too much more. singo's cross just um, just across the area, which seemed to miss everybody. Um, but yeah, I think I think it, yeah, I think that's a fair point. Second half definitely not as good as as the first half, and. I thought actually just going back to Richie uh, quickly for a second. In the first half, particularly, he, he seemed to be wanting the ball a lot. He seemed to be sort of demanding the ball, which I thought sort of shows a good personality for sort of young lad going into a sort of new team first start, and he's sort of demanding demanding the ball from his from his teammates. So I think um, I think it will be for it will be him and him or Lukic for for a little while, um, and I'm not sure they they both play together, but i would definitely if if Lukic's injury, I think it might even just be an illness, which is why he missed out. Uh, if
1: yes, that... a couple of them had the flu. Typically, Zaza was one of them. But... <laughs> and Palegri Pelle- who Pellegris who yeah, is barely. I think he's had a different, different are...
0: issue every week. But yeah. We somehow managed to miss Pellegri out of the uh, the loan players. We might be redeeming or not redeeming last season. That probably at the end of the season, that probably says a lot about his start to his two a career.
1: Yeah, yeah, I did forget about him. But I, think, I, think I, think, he's
0: a... I think he's only here because his dad's the team manager, personally. Yeah, but
1: we'll... you could, you could be well be right. But...
0: We were, uh, yeah, we will, we will hopefully be proven wrong when he scores against Inter. Um... Should, should
1: we talk? Should we talk now about someone who has scored some goals for Torino?
0: Let's go for it. Your Torino hero of the week.
1: My Torino hero of the week. Yes, my Torino hero of the week. As we said last week, I've. I'm I'm a little bit older than Rob so I have a few more years in the bank so I thought yeah I'd go back I'd go back to a slightly different era although not yeah it's, it's probably what 15 15 oh god yeah 15 or so years ago now but yeah and the hero of the week is is Marco Ferrante who I guess Rob was someone I'm sure you're fully aware of but um yeah, around the time you, the turn of you becoming a Torino supporter was probably around his last
0: season. So. Yeah, yeah. um' sort of a play, like I say, a player that I'm aware of from highlights and sort of stories and um, the famous three-three uh, with the Salas penalty uh, miss as well, just able the sort of legend. But somebody who had not unfortunately not been able to see play, so wasn't really aware of of what a good striker he was, but everything that I've heard and read and, and seen suggests that he was sort of one of the better Torino strikers of the modern era. So yeah, happy yeah. To, happy to hear a little bit more about him from yourself.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's fifth, he's fifth overall in the all time Torino scorers list. The massive caveat is a hell of a lot of his goals are in Serie B, which is not necessarily his fault, but yeah, 34 in Serie A of 125 goals. Um yeah, I remember you mentioned last week how the the season with the Brescia playoff and how you followed Torino uh, through the Bet Three Six Five little window. Um, and I was thinking, yeah, I remember that too. I was living in in Switzerland at the time, and yeah, follow, following following in in different ways. But in in 1996, when so my first Torino season in Serie B. Um, it was a lot more difficult to to follow Torino, so I I had three options normally in a week to to um, find out the result. One was to tune my radio. Um, this is living in the UK, I should I could should always reference that. But um, yeah, one was just to tune my radio to try and find an Italian radio, which uh, that would used to take twenty minutes, half an hour, and you'd find at the time most of the Serie A games were on the Sunday afternoon and and the Serie B games as well. So um, there was a radio program called um, calcio uh, i think it was calcio minuto per minuto where they went around the stadiums um as if the format was that literally the commentator would spend a minute in each stadium and then move on to the next commentator and it would interrupt for a goal and quite often Torino might be the match because we were a we were a big big team in serie b at the time or they would just kind of read out, sc- out scores from from serie b so um that was one way of following. and I was learning. I was first learning Italian at a time, and you know, I, I had enough Italian to to kind of know know the numbers and scorers and um, and that kind of thing. But if I didn't catch the radio, I couldn't tune my radio. Then the other two options were: one was to call the Football Italia hotline, which um, sometimes gave Serie B scores. But they were, they were it was a hotline. I ended up actually working on later on, so I know they kind of had certain techniques for for making you pay your 48p a minute whatever it was but quite often yeah the seria b scores would be at the end so you'd be you know you'd be on this paid call for four or five minutes and then when my, when my parents got wind of that that was uh, <laughs> yeah i wasn't yeah hanging on six or seven minutes onto a phone to find out Torino never lost at Fidelisandria or <laughs> or something like this um and then the, the third choice it was uh, i grew up in birmingham and I would take a bus uh, into the centre of Birmingham after school or sixth form college, and uh, you could buy uh, Gazzetta dello Sport a day late. So uh, if we played on a Sunday, you'd go and get Monday's Gazette- Gazzetta on the Tuesday. Um, and I used to walk up one of the main drags in Birmingham, and yeah, you know, the pink newspaper, iconic pink newspaper. You could see it from about 200 metres away, whether it was there, and there's that palpable sense of excitement. Um, Because even if I knew the score, I might not have known the scorers. Um, Sometimes I didn't know the score. So there's always something to find out. Um, And this is a long way of kind of getting around to to Ferrante. But Ferrante was, for a good while, if Torino scored a goal, it was Ferrante who scored the goal. It was, um, he, yeah, his first season was 96-97, which was the first season in Serie B, which turned out to be one of our worst ever. Um, he just gives some background. He'd he, um, come through the Napoli youth youth system with um, so as he was breaking through, I think Maradona and, and Zola were there. Um, so made his made his study. He wasn't able to break into the Napoli first team
0: with Maradona and Zola. Uh,
1: it's just, that's just shocking, it's isn't it? it? And and careca as well, probably. But yeah, strangely enough, he um, yeah, he, he got passed around the divisions a bit. Um, had a bit of a breakthrough Serie A season at Piacenza, but uh, Torino picked him up that summer as a kind of as a kind of Serie B striker. He didn't score a goal until December, and then he scored nine in six games, including four against Regina, which I think is one of the best streaks of a kind of Torino striker I've ever known. And then he barely didn't he didn't score. I think he scored two or three again that season, um, and that was it. He just thought, oh, this guy is. Um, you know, it was a he, he had a very good six weeks in the middle of a very bad season. Um and the next season, uh next season we signed Gigi Lentini, which I think is a story for another day. Um and that was um, we also signed Tony Di that season. And if you've read the interview with Tony Dirigo in The Guardian, and I don't want to be misquoting him, but he even said Ferrante was the best player he played at Torino, or Ferrante was one of the best players he's played with full stop. Um and that that was the season which ended up uh with Torino losing the playoff final um to Perugia which is yeah something we should we should cover another time uh but that season he he scored 23 goals uh and then the following season we got promoted he scored 26 goals 36 games and then finally he had his he had his shot in serie a um so the first season up in serie a he scored 18 in 30, which is which is really impressive. And what uh, I think there's parallels with the Ferrante Torino and the Bianchi Torino, and that they were both both very prolific in Serie B. I I I think Ferrante is a much better player personally than Bianchi. Um, but there's certainly parallels there ca- carrying carrying the weight of um I said last week, relatively stodgy, uh, not very creative Torino teams which ba- bounce between Serie A and Serie B. Um, but Ferrante was always very good in Serie A. He, he wasn't one of those players who came, who, who came up and and couldn't cut it. He, he was um, he, he was a very skillful player. Um, there's a quite a good highlights reel of all of his goals in Serie A. But he scored free kicks. He, he could score with his head. He was predominantly right-footed. All of his goals were one one or two touch. Brilliant on the half volley. Um, very kind of yeah, and a very good penalty take. Which actually take I, my first Torino game was '99. First time I actually managed to get to the stadium. We played Inter early in the season. 0-0, 70 minutes in. Ferrante has a penalty. And um, it's saved by Angelo And CNN. A couple of minutes later, in, uh, Vieri scores at the other end. Um, and that was, yeah, quite <laughs> typical. It was one of the few penalties he ever missed. Hopefully that's not an open. Uh, <laughs> no, and then, and then, yeah, he carried we, we, we carried on for a few more seasons. Uh, he actually went, we went back down to, to Serie B and he actually spent half a season on loan at Inter, um, uh, because, partly because I think he felt at that stage he was a Serie A player and partly because um one of the things with Ferrante is Torino had this thing where whenever they failed in Serie B, they would keep Ferrante and they would say, oh, we're going to buy the second top scorer in Serie B, we're going to buy the second best striker and playing with, with Ferrante. And it never worked out. Ferrante would get 25 goals and the other guy would get three. So we had, I mean, we had people like um, Stefan Schwoch and Chicho Artistico and these these guys who always scored a lot of goals in Serie B and then they'd come to Torino and um, it was, you know, Ferrante was very selfish. Um, as a good link-up man, he, but he, yeah, he was very single-minded. So he tended to play a lot better when, he kind of had wide players like Lentini or, or later um antonino Asta on the, on on the side of him rather than rather than sometimes having a, another striker and even when we signed um Cristiano Lucarelli later on um i did, I think they were a fairly decent partnership for a while, but again Lu- Lucarelli was you know, he, he may be someone we talk about in the villain category in the future, but yeah Ferrante was he was a bit of a killer of other strikers at Torino as well. Um, but yeah very just a, a very very good player and I think the proof's in the pudding even when he left Torino he was three or four seasons later he was back in Serie A with Ascoli still scoring goals at 34-35 um, and he was a player when I lived in in Torino my first season there was his last season Uh again it wasn't a particularly good season but he was He was just always a very interesting player. He'd just come alive around the penalty area. He didn't do anything really outside the eighteen-yard box, one or two touch, Um, and yeah, I think of a a Torino fan of a of a certain era, he he was he was an important player. I can't say if I look back at my favourite Torino players, I wouldn't necessarily he wouldn't necessarily say he was someone I warmed to in a sense of. necessarily as a as, as a character. I think he's one of those players I look back on now much more fondly than um than this than maybe at the time, partly because the, the team at the time often stunk, but um but yeah I look, look back very fondly. You mentioned the the penalty in the in the in the Sala Star being to call it, but it was the famous one, uh the two two one with um when he did the um the Toro celebration, which was then mocked by Enzo Maresca, when Maresca scored late on to make it 2-2. I was going to bring that up.
0: Was was the celebration something Ferrante did for every goal, or was it just... No,
1: it's suddenly... Yeah, Ferrante went a bit weird when he came back from Inter. He started wearing this number 94 shirt um, because he came back and Lucarelli had had the nine. And um, yeah, I I might tell a lie. I think he did do it. I think he may have done it in... Uh, he may have something. He may have done in the bigger matches. I've got vague memories of him doing it around the Perugia, the playoff game, possibly as well. But
0: it's something that's surprising that another striker is not replicated, or another player is not replicated, just to sort of instantly gain a bit of. Um,
1: well, Marcos of... Alonso yeah. did it, didn't he, yeah. when, he when Fiorentina uh, scored uh, against the. And then,
0: and then he claims he claimed that he didn't realise that he was antagonising Torino fans just um, yeah. the, the word for for bull being the exact same in italian and spanish that was, yeah, a, that was... a very impressive um attempt to play it down but yeah obviously moresco and, and Alonso have sort of done it in a negative sense but um just uh, if I, I mean if i was scoring off Torino, that might just be just be a quick celebration to get the fans inside
1: yeah he did he definitely did it more later on in it in his in his torino career than then early on, the other thing I mean I said at the beginning, you know, it's difficult finding the scores. You you barely ever saw any goals. Sometimes we would find someone who had Italian TV who might who might video record goal highlights program. But mainly, the way I would have consumed goals at the time would have been um, an end of season, you know, compilation video. You'd go out to Italy. You'd buy you'd, you'd buy some kind of bootleg end of season video and see the goals. And so you didn't. Yeah, it's something you read about, and something you you listen, you kind of listen to the radio. Obviously, the Serie A seasons were a bit different because you had Channel Four, and um, and the goals were on every week. But yeah, those Serie A bid was something. There is something kind of very, um, yeah, kind of mystical about the about about those years. It was all it was all, all another world away. But yeah, forante was a big part of that. I
0: just wonder what your news agent must have thought when you were turning up and buying. The, I imagine there weren't many copies of Gazzetta, and then you. No, just- and it was a, it was wow. a heartbreaking
1: week when it wasn't
0: there as well. Yeah.
1: That was that was a difficult week. Yeah, I mean sometimes you you would you would like because it, it, it was always folded over. I can't, you know, that, the Serie B scores quite possibly were not even on the front cover as well. But yeah, they were they were um, uh, yeah, I, I, I was definitely a you know sixteen year old in, going to sixth form college in Birmingham buying G- Gazzetta della Sport with no no we kind of immediate Italian connection was yeah was a little strange but. I actually
0: remember the, I remember in the opposite one in Italy because the first time I went was 2005 uh, not to a Torino game fortunately but the first time I went to Italy was 2005 a little bit before the internet so I was trying to get the, um, the score of a Southampton game and bought uh, an English tabloid for like three or four euros just to see that Southampton had drawn 1-1 one, one with no Um. So that was probably the the opposite effect, whereas I think yours may be a bit more glamorous buying the Gazette in Birmingham than me buying the Sun in Milan.
1: Right. <laughs>
0: it's,
1: uh, yeah, we both, our end goal was the same, I think. Exactly,
0: exactly. Yeah. But yeah, no, um, and I think uh, you referenced the um, Derigo interview with... Um I with the Guardian. I think it, I think that might be the same interview Ray mentions about Sunas and just the reasons why he didn't really work out at, at Toro and I think he was sort of like fight, fighting with the players in training. So that's um, interesting to to dig out if you want to, a bit further reading for sort of Yeah, of
1: was, so, I think Sunes tried to two foot Valente, didn't he? Yeah. And I think Soonas was still very close to his or a lot closer to his playing career. And yeah, I think he he was one of those coaches who 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 kind of came in and, and still still wanted to play. But yeah, that was a very kind of um it was a kind of not a very Torino appointment. Um and it didn't last for very long.
0: No. Nah. Still um, was... still the only man to manage Torino in Southampton now. So uh I hadn't yeah. Some, somewhat fondly in my in my uh, in my memories, but yeah, way before my Sunis
1: time. Sunesson and Lianco, what, what, what a what a combination!
0: There is a there is a third player to complete the hat trick, actually. Hold on, it's, is it in the modern era? It is the it is the modern era, but it was very very difficult. Okay, I can give you to the end of the um, end of the episode if you wish. But did he play? Was he is
1: he more renowned as a Torino player or is it known,
0: more known as a Torino player? Regular okay. Torino uh, scorer within the last sort of five and six years.
1: And how many games did you play for Southampton? One.
0: One. <laughs> <laughs> like this, is what, this is why it made me. Uh, too- this is,
1: there is, there is, there is yeah. Um, you're right uh, maybe, yeah, we'll find out the answer next week because my brain will not allow me to, <laughs> <laughs> to remember. We've done this as we carry on talking, but yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it has a vague. Um, was it in, in the era Southampton League 1 or something like this?
0: In the, champion, in the championship he was on loan from uh, Tottenham.
1: Oh, um,
0: yeah, Iago Falco. Correct. There okay. we go. So I think he played 45 minutes actually against, I think it was a live Sky Sports game and he was terrible. Um, but he sort of reinvented his career in Italy and, and to be honest, like a decent servant for uh, Torino who may, may appear in a, a t- Toro hero if we're, if we're yeah someone who someone recently
1: said very nice things about his time at yeah. as well.
0: I, I think that's I think it certainly is highlight of his career. To be honest, he's, he's disappointed. I think everywhere else he's been, but no, I think he was a very good player for for a short spell. Um, especially in the thought he's one of our better, one of our better players in those seasons. Anyway, I feel.
1: Well, I've I've been nice about somebody. So it's time for you to be horrible about someone. Mm. I should say maybe at this point that uh, if if we still have anyone listening to us, um, yeah, if anyone has ideas that players they wanted to, us to talk about, um, f- you know from kind of the last twenty twenty five years, and just have a bit of a debate about
0: them. And, and I, yeah, yeah, good. and I think because would, and I think people will realize as they start to listen to to episodes is that I have some very peculiar opinions on Torino players where me and Peter probably don't agree on their contributions and I'm, I and I said to Peter during the week, I was, I was struggling for um, players because I try and find the best and even the worst players who've played for Torino uh, but I managed to narrow it down to a couple of players and I went for this one just because it gave me a um, number of spells to talk about because obviously he's played for the club in, in two occasions sort of split apart by sort of eight or nine years. Um so and it's a risky one because he could return to the club. So I hope he's not listening. But Simone Verde, this is your this is your life. <laughs> um, he I remember so this was the first I re, I remember a lot about sort of his, his first spell at Torino because we were in Serie B, we'd had the the sort of eighth place finish I think the previous season, Ventura comes in and we get uh, a couple of talented loan players from AC Milan. And Simone Verdi is one of them. And, and I remember being excited at the time because he was one of those players who, I think there'd been a lot of talk and a lot of hype about him. Um, and I was quite excited that he was like a, a young talent from Milan, was was coming on loan to Torino. And can you remember the, the other player from Milan he came on loan with?
1: Yeah, the other player, I mean, uh, my memory serves me right, was the, um, the Nigerian winger, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Nnamdi Odu- uh, Odomadi.
0: yeah, that's and, the one. And I think we probably should have uh, foreseen how Verdi's career would go, especially in his latter spell. I always preferred Ahmadi. I thought he was um, very raw, but, but was able to uh, affect games in ways that Verdi wasn't able to, especially in Serie B, at sort of a young age. And he was probably, as I mean, as he is now, he's he was a very technical sort of dribbler when he was young. So I think he might have won a penalty in his debut, uh, I seem to remember. But that was probably his only contribution. He didn't score, I don't think, for the club uh, whilst we were in Serie B. Um, and then he sort of... I'm not sure if he played in the Serie A season or he was still on loan. I think it was a co-ownership. Yeah. Was a
1: co-ownership. Yeah. There's a co-ownership. I looked it up this morning. I go, this is not really, I'm not pretending I remember this. But yeah, he played, I was going to ask you, he played 12 times, in, I think, in the Serie B season. And then he, yeah, I, I can't remember. He played four times at See, in yeah, the I think, Serie A season. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember, I don't remember any, any of that, but. In that first season of the Vintori, was were most of those appearances at the beginning and then did he just yeah, i think uh... i
0: think it was at the beginning he sort of was sort of in the team or, or would appear off the bench and very quickly i think it was it was seen that he wasn't really up to to sort of professional standards yet and, and maybe needed a, a few more years in the in the primavera uh whereas odo Amadi especially just a bit more direct was would give defenses a bit more trouble than sort of a, a young and he was very. I Remember, just him being very physically slight. He was probably uh, he must have only been sort of 18 19 but he probably had the physique of a of a sixteen, seventeen year old. And as is sort of typical in in Italian football, youngsters don't really get a chance unless they're absolutely exceptional. And and Verdi, I, I, don't, I never remember watching him play and thinking, oh, I wish he would start more. I just remember thinking he was very green to ex- excuse the pun um very good uh, you did uh, you young Robert thank you very much um and he um yeah and and I thought we would never see him in, in a Torino shirt again And unfortunately um and, and and this is I can remember this as well because so when he returned it was one of those sort of summer sagas that Torino do so well where they wait all season to try and to try and sign a player and then just pay the same amount of money they would have done at the start of the transfer window. Um, And we just beat Atalanta 3-2. I think Bellotti might have been injured as well. So it was really seen as like, I think we'd just been knocked out of the Europa League by Wolves on the Thursday. Went to Atalanta, who for some reason weren't playing in Bergamo at the time. Won 3-2 after being 2-1 down. And then sort of the transfer win, like deadline day was the day after. We'd signed Verdi and, and there was talk that this was really Torino's sort of shot at, at trying to break into the Champions League because they've just qualified for Europe. They've just spent sort of 25, 30 I think I'm not sure what the what the fee was in the end, 20, 20 25 million euros. But he just didn't fit into the, into the team. And that I don't think he was ever going to fit into the team.
1: No, I think there's two. I think that's happened twice. I think one, just going back a bit under Ventura. Ventura had a thing where if he didn't like a player, he was an absolute... He was a he was very difficult with them, and there was certain there was a string of kind of quite talented players we signed. Do you remember Nicola Bolomo as well? Yeah, yeah. Um, the the kind of new Cassano. and then we had um, uh, who uh, who was uh, there was even Sanchez Mino who oh, okay he didn't do very well, but was just certain players Ventura just took a look at and said no you're not for me, and I think Verdi was a little bit one of those ones in that first season. So it didn't, yeah, it just didn't work out for him. He went away. I don't think he, I think he had a good seat under Donadoni. He had a good season at Bologna and then built a career off
0: that for a bit. Yeah, um, he, 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 scored, yeah. he scored two free kicks and this, we'll probably get onto this slightly in a, in a second. I remember he was going two free kicks, I think, in the same game for Bologna with, with different feet um, and people raving about it. And I, personally, I don't find sort of scoring two free kicks as impressive as it is like that is an isolated incident in a match yes you might score two goals from the from the game but if a player scores two free kicks and then like gives the ball away and, and can and sort of is detrimental to a team's um performance at the end of the day and you lose the game or draw the game it's not very impressive to me. and I, I think Verdi was was one of those players who looked unbelievable on a highlight reel, but then you watch him for for 90 minutes and and you realise actually he's not a very good player. He's not very uh tactically smart. I don't think he gives the ball away trying silly things. Um he didn't score many goals for Torino. I've I've got it down at 91 games in, in between both spells and six goals. I mean, well, I think
1: it, at least a couple of those goals were barely... I mean, there was one against Bologna, hit, I think kind of hit the post and hit the goalkeeper. Yeah, like, yeah. And
0: yeah every goal he scored for Torino, I think there's one good one, and I think somebody linked me to it, in um, from from the Locked Behind Guys Doors games from, from last season, which was, a, which was a decent goal. But every other goal just seems to be like a sort of just scrappy, sort of not the sort of goal you'd imagine you sort of big... Your big money signing to be scoring, and I never really seen there being much like desire to prove the fans wrong, or or to try and sort of try something different, or like I, he had a he had that strange spell um, as like a centre, sort of centre, centre midfielder type thing, and uh, David Nicola last season where he actually looked relatively competent, but that was basically his role was just to get the ball, run with it, and then pass it to somebody else.
1: Well, it's been it's been a bit of a vanity project for the coaches who come in. Okay, I'm not going to be the one who will stick Verdi in the really funny position. And um, um, but yeah, it's just I mean, even going back to the sign, the Verdi signing that summer was the summer that Torino just uh, had such an opportunity. That summer, you qualified for. He had a very good coach in Matsari, who basically squeezed the lemon dry, getting that team into Europe. Um that summer was a summer to invest in in two or three players because if you you know you, to have a campaign in Europe and even just to sustain those levels in the league the team needed freshening up and Cooley wanted to leave they should have they should have they i think they should have sold him um because that 's the thing Torino have done in recent seasons is not sometimes cash in on assets you look at Itzo as well i mean that 's one for another day but itso was his market value two years ago was was quite interesting and now we yeah, know he'll probably go this summer for, for next to nothing but that summer no one came in we lost with this the summer we lost Petraki and it was the summer where Cairo as Cairo often does when we have a little bit of success he thinks football's easy um and he tried to do it all himself he bought him uh Bava came in didn't he's though in a position he didn't want uh we lost all of our scouting plans. So no one came in because they, I, there was just there was no structure, there was no plan in place, and the only plan was to dump, you know, to try and barter Napoli down for for Simone 3rd play. We'd, we'd already failed once in the Torino shirt and had, without being too harsh, had, had really failed at to break through at Napoli as well. Yeah. And as you said, yeah, he, he kind of came in and it didn't. He you know, was signed after we'd. Gone out of Europe, so the whole thing was was quite flat. And yeah, I, I think you've summed up the player uh, better, better than I will. But yeah, just just kind of lacking, uh, yeah, l- lacking, lacking a kind of bit of speed, um, just in decision making in in a, being of. You'd think a twenty five million pound fantasista essentially um, would have would have different ways of beating a man. But I think all Verdi really. Ever see I've ever seen a, f- a kind of three kicks and, and the odd kind of nice goal, a little bit of skill, but he's yeah he's I think you're, um, you're quite right to have called him out. But.
0: I, th- I think in what what might be a regular feature on these uh, on these podcasts, in what we like to call peak Toro, Verdi goes on loan to Salernitana, who were, who were the only team I think who would take him because they decided to just sign a whole new team in January, um, and he scored two free kicks against Derby yeah but it hasn't done much since It has not done much since yeah. Yeah, exactly so so that sort of proves proves him wrong Fatter to deceive is probably the best sort of way you could describe it he would have a couple of good games and then and then you think oh finally they've, they've cracked it and then you would you'd watch him play for for sort of he very rarely lasts 90 minutes but watch him for sort of 60 70 minutes and, and think how is he a professional footballer because it just seemed to be whether it was a confidence thing and i um, somewhat uh, sort of feel feel a bit sorry for him for that if it is just a lack of confidence and he needs that arm around the shoulder and he just totally lost his confidence with Torino. But I think at some stage you need to show a bit of a bit of character, a bit of fight and the sort of fans who are paying paying your wages effectively and you need to to sort of show a bit more than he ever showed in a Torino shirt. So on both occasions. So that is my Torino villain of the week. There you
1: go. Torino villain who will come back to Yes, once us in a few weeks
0: time. Yeah. There, so so. on the, on the weekend of the second of April may be a podcast that I miss after that in case he does score. But I didn't jinx us. Yeah. I didn't jinx us with D Silvestri this week. And well, I, do, I don't think Di Silvestri got over the halfway line. Uh, that, no, so. and he did go. Yeah. And I I D Silvestri, always has a place in my heart for being on the same flight as in a uh, Ryanair flight from Turin to London after a derby. Um, because I believe his uh, girlfriend, hopefully, at the, still of the time, uh, lived in England. Uh, yeah, I think
1: it was either had had a girlfriend or a sister, I think. Yeah. So I, I, uh... I
0: tweeted him um, just to check it was him. Because I mean, I'm standing in the queue in, in Turin Airport going back on the Ryanair flight to London Stansted. I just watched a derby game and think that's Lorenzo de Savrespi there. And I was like, surely it wasn't. So I got on the plane, tweeted him, and he just um, replied with a thumbs up. And I think I messaged him on Instagram uh, a, few years, a few years later, and he, he did explain. It. I think it was his girlfriend who was studying at Oxford University. Okay. Um, but, yeah, Stalker. My... <laughs> <He's> not... <laughs> it's not no wonder he left. It's not stalking, no he if, they, <laughs> it's not stalking if they reply, Peter. It's like he, 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 wanted, he wanted the trend, I think. I think he was, to be fair, I think he was, um, again, moving way off topic here. He was actually uh, a very good player for the dressing room, especially when Joe Hart was there. I think he was one of the few players who spoke English. So,
1: yeah, no, he was, He, uh, he was whatever, working. yeah, whatever kind of reservation sometimes as a player, he was always very, um, conducted himself very well. Yeah, that's correct. So, <laughs>
0: in, into it the weekends. move I've just had a little quick look, and they, having been in terrible form, decided to snap out of that by beating Serena Tana five-nil at the weekend. Um, I don't know how with uh, Tana having Verdi in their squad, they somehow managed to capitulate. Um, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I was, there's no massive reason to be optimistic just based on our current form, and we're not—you know—we're not that kind of vibrant, high-press team we were earlier in the season. Like you said, maybe a change of opposition, maybe one who, who will have the ball a little bit more. Um, They've got to go to Anfield uh, this week, which, you know, Torino is one of those teams you always think, oh, this year, the so-and-so team are playing in Europe this week. They'll be knackered by the weekend. And we, you know, we we, we won't, we won't um, capitalize on that, but I think, yeah, you know, hopefully they'll have a bit of a game, you know, against Liverpool. Hopefully it will. I um,
0: watched the first, I watched the first leg actually, and they played, Played really well uh, at the game at San Siro, and very unlucky to to be two 0 down in that, in that tie. So, I think you like you say, I think if the game was maybe a little bit more in the balance, the sort of possibility of extra time might might weigh in Torino's favour. But again, like you say, again, it always seems to be you. you look at that and you're like, oh, into got into got Champions League midweek. That that should favour us, and it never comes to fruition. So.
1: No, I think they they look like they're going to be, you know, depending on how they how they get through the midweek, they, you know, they should be at full strength. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I think they're a team that can be can be got out. I think they've got some some aging players. Um, their form hasn't been great. Um, if this was Torino in kind of November or December, I would I would fancy us to give give them a game. Um, I just wonder, yeah, maybe it would be a tight game. Uh, I think that's maybe our, our hope, be, even a game similar to the Bologna one, where uh, yeah, the other thing I was going to say in a Bologna game was, I mean, as much as I criticised Mihailovic in the past, Bologna did do one or two kind of, had one or two kind of three quick uh, set pieces, which were quite interesting. It's made me, made me think Torino's, the original I can't remember anything too inventive or creative. I think uh, possibly one uh, We've well, been against Empoli early in the season, but there's um, very, you know, very, very kind of little. The corners all tend to be very, you know, to the to the back post, and very little interesting with free kicks. And I think to do well against Inter, I think we're we're probably looking at, at at set piece deliveries, especially at the moment with our forward players not not looking that sharp. And what will he do if he does something different with the wing backs, maybe? But yeah, possibly, possibly a Bremer. You know, someone like Bremen to come up with a goal. Um, definitely but a, I, I, definitely if, definitely if I was putting money on it, possibly a narrow, narrow defeat. I think I'll,
0: um, I'll go a little bit more optimistic, and we we'd sort of banked on a one-one draw against Bologna, and um, we were too optimistic with the goals. So I'll, um, I'll go with, I'll go with one-one. I think, like you say, I think there'll be a chance that playing a more possession. Uh, oriented side might give us a bit more chances on with the press and, and the counter attack but and maybe a bit of a bit of fatigue from from mid week for uh inter so yeah I'll, I'll go optimistic with the 1-1 and and that again that would just tick us over nicely towards your 40 point point mark and we can very good at least then try. we'll have
1: to we'll have to go and win it uh, against the uh... <laughs> Fortress Sirigu. A week later,
0: tend turned into a new man. In a, recently, with the generous 0 draw specialists, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, that is. A, I think that's all for for this week's edition. We we did think we were going to struggle to think of things to talk about after uh, Torino's 0-0 draw with Bologna, but we somehow managed it. So again, well done if you managed, this, managed to manage uh, to listen to this for this long and. Uh, I think that's all from me. I that's now from you, Peter.
1: No, have, have a good week, everyone, and um,
0: we'll catch you all after the intergame. Yeah. Pause the toll